Going to Meet the Man by James Baldwin Narrated by Dion Graham For Buford Delaney The Rock Pile Across the street from their house, in an empty lot between two houses, stood the rock pile. It was a strange place to find a mass of natural rock jutting out of the ground. And someone, probably Aunt Florence, had once told them that the rock was there and could not be taken away, because without it the subway cars underground would fly apart, killing all the people. This, touching on some natural mystery concerning the surface and the center of the earth, was far too intriguing an explanation to be challenged, and it invested the rock pile, moreover, with such mysterious importance that Roy felt it to be his right, not to say his duty, to play there. Other boys were to be seen there each afternoon after school and all day Saturday and Sunday. They fought on the rock pile. Sure-footed, dangerous, and reckless, they rushed each other and grappled on the heights, sometimes disappearing down the other side in a confusion of dust and screams and upended flying feet. It's a wonder they don't kill themselves, their mother said, watching sometimes from the fire escape. You children stay away from there, you hear me? Though she said, children, she was looking at Roy, where he sat beside John on the fire escape. The good Lord knows, she continued. I don't want you to come home bleeding like a hog every day the Lord sends. Roy shifted impatiently and continued to stare at the street, as though in this gazing he might somehow acquire wings. John said nothing. He had not really been spoken to. He was afraid of the rock pile and of the boys who played there. Each Saturday morning, John and Roy sat on the fire escape and watched the forbidden street below. Sometimes their mother sat in the room behind them, sewing, or dressing their younger sister, or nursing the baby, Paul. The sun fell across them and across the fire escape with a high, benevolent indifference. Below them, men and women, and boys and girls, sinners all, loitered. Sometimes one of the church members passed and saw them and waved. Then, for the moment that they waved decorously back, they were intimidated. They watched the saint, man or woman, until he or she had disappeared from sight. The passage of one of the redeemed made them consider, however vacantly, the wickedness of the street, their own latent wickedness in sitting where they sat, and made them think of their father, who came home early on Saturdays, and who would soon be turning this corner and entering the dark hall below them. But until he came to end their freedom, they sat, watching and longing above the street. At the end of the street nearest their house was the bridge which spanned the Harlem River and led to a city called the Bronx, which was where Aunt Florence lived. Nevertheless, when they saw her coming, she did not come from the bridge, but from the opposite end of the street. This, weakly to their minds, she explained by saying that she had taken the subway, not wishing to walk, and that, besides, she did not live in that section of the Bronx. Knowing that the Bronx was across the river, they did not believe this story ever, but adopting towards her their father's attitude, assumed that she had just left some sinful place which she dared not name, as, for example, a movie palace. In the summertime, Boys swam in the river, 
diving off the wooden dock or wading in from the garbage-heavy bank. Once a boy, whose name was Richard, drowned in the river. His mother had not known where he was. She had even come to their house to ask if he was there. Then, in the evening, at six o'clock, they had heard from the street a woman screaming and wailing, and they ran to the windows and looked out. Down the street came the woman, Richard's mother, screaming, her face raised to the sky and tears running down her face. A woman walked beside her, trying to make her quiet and trying to hold her up. Behind them walked a man, Richard's father, with Richard's body in his arms. There were two white policemen walking in the gutter, who did not seem to know what should be done. Richard's father and Richard were wet, and Richard's body lay across his father's arms like a cotton baby. The woman's screaming filled all the street. Cars slowed down and the people...